0: why are we broken? What are you, what, where's your head at with this episode?
1: It's not a surprise. I didn't see it coming, but people have been telling us this for a while and why the hell haven't we listened?
0: Yeah. And, And
1: why are we broken? Like, I love this country. And I think that that it's a, it's a, it's a one of the greatest countries in the world. And for different reasons than maybe some people think or whatever, but like, it's one of the greatest countries in the world. The fact that we can have these discussions and not worry about going to jail is right. one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, um, yeah, but yeah, it's a beautifully flawed country and it was set up by men who wanted to keep owning slaves, who didn't want women to lead, who, you know, like all these things. And so, you know, as we evolve, Why haven't we been able to evolve, I guess? And so, I mean, I guess that like, I've heard people say, you know, you'll say something like, well, the the system's just broken. And they're like, no, it's not. It's set up this way. I don't say anything (laughs) for the, I just talk. I don't say anything for the podcast. I just constantly Mm -hmm. go, which I guess means that we're going now.
0: You want to maybe introduce yourself? We're we're already in it. You've decided.
1: Sure. Sure. (laughs) Hello, listeners. Both of you. Uh, uh, my name is Dan, and I am one of your hosts on My America. Uh, I am uh, excited to be here, first of all. Uh, but who am I? I am I'm a writer. I'm a marketer. I'm a podcaster on several shows. Uh, I am. My superpower is curiosity, and so I am really excited to dive into to this show every week with my partner here, um, and then as far as who i am like i was all that i'm i'm cisgender heterosexual male my pronouns are he and him i'm a husband a blended family dad uh and i've never been like in politics air quotes uh but i've always been interested fascinated by by, by politics and i have tended over the years to be center left of or i'm sorry right of center Whew, that's a tough one to get out apparently it's a I'm ashamed of that. No, I'm not ashamed of that. Um, but yeah, and I'm and I'm white. That's that's the final final piece, I guess. I'm I'm a white heterosexual cisgender male in America, and I love this country. But I am also appalled at where we are today because we are broken, and that'll be the subject. So uh, yeah, Kim, that was a lot of talking. You are my uh, partner, and I'm Kim. And you're Kim, and so that's that's it. No,
0: go ahead. And you? that's it. Let's get on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you did such a great job introducing yourself. And I just this morning was thinking about like how terrible I am and introducing myself on podcasts. <laughs> so you want
1: me to do it for yeah, you? It you, want me to do, you want me to do a roll for you here?
0: Um, sure. A, a drum roll.
1: No, just a, a roll call. I don't know. I don't know what role meant. That's not the word I probably should have used. You want me to do an intro for you? you? Messed
0: up. No, you messed up. It's I okay. do that often. It's okay. Yeah, I'm aware. No, that was great. Uh, my name is Kim. I am uh, your co-host as well. And I am a a writer. I work in television production. I also run a nonprofit, a Get Out the Vote nonprofit that is tackling voter turnout by looking at education and the ways that we can change the way that we teach voting, the history of voting and all of that K through 12 and then also beyond. And um, and the way that we educate just in, in, different issues as they come up in, in current events. So I do that as well. The organization is called we're the people. Dan works with me on that. He's on the board. He works as our director of communications. So
1: we are, we are gathered here today. I don't know. I want to like channel my inner Prince, um, the singer, not a actual Prince. We are, we are talking today about, uh, why are we broken? Yes. And why are, why is that the title of today's episode?
0: because we are. Mm. And it's important to we want to move forward, not move on necessarily because, you know, we definitely can't move on from what's happened and just put it in the rearview mirror forget it ever happened, just move on completely because uh what this insurrection that kind of prompted us to start this podcast, uh you you have to it has to be investigated and also we have to remember it happened with a talk about it in schools we have to teach it otherwise it's going to happen again so we're talking about it because we, we want to understand it we want to understand why we're broken and how we got here um but the interesting thing to me about this topic is the idea of why we're broken is like this is going to be just this just the worst analogy possible and <laughs> just want no, to i'm here i'm here prepare for it the worst the the not worst but just like dumbest analogy possible it's like looking at your broken arm wondering why it's broken Mm -hmm. like how did this arm break without realizing that that arm never wasn't broken Mm. not a great analogy what's broken that was always broken I don't know (laughs) that's that's sort of what it feels like to me is like yeah we are broken but the word broke makes me think at some point we weren't and I, I don't know that that is the case here in America.
1: So how, you know, I've, I've come at this over the years from from a, a right of center attitude of, and, and a, what I consider patriotic attitude of like, America is the greatest country in the world. You have every opportunity here to make the dr- American dream come true. You know, um, people immigrate okay. to America to, to make their dreams come true, right? I saw a story this morning on our uh, now you know, vice president, Kamala Harris. And her mom immigrated here from India to cure cancer. Like what, what an amazing dream. So like our country's amazing. Why like people come here because it is so amazing. So, so great. So beautiful. So many opportunities. So I didn't think about it being broken. Like, I don't think of it as broken. We just, we have a few things to kind of, you know, fix here and there, but this country isn't broken. It wasn't until January 6th that I went well, and, and even before that, I mean, I've been saying this for like the last year or so, you know, the murder of George Floyd at the hands of police, the uh, the, the murder of uh, Ahmaud Arbery at the hands of vigilante, you know, lynch mob. Like this is this has been a reckoning for me and it's so disturbing for me. I don't understand how, why we're so broken. Like what the, what the hell? This system is broken. But when I say that, say the system is broken what's what what do you what say you
0: i say that first of all i deserve to be applauded for the lack of interrupting that i've done so far um because (laughs) i i I, yes you and i both have always looked at politics i think more differently in the past we're we're looking at it differently still but less different than we, we have in the past um but I also love this country. I I also am am a patriot and believe that this is one of the greatest nations on earth. And people do come here because they want to cure cancer. And this is where you can come to cure cancer or invent an airplane or a spaceship. I know that the Wright brothers didn't immigrate here, but you know, these are things that happen here. Yeah, yeah. They're the big things. The the potato chip was invented here. Kelly Clarkson was invented here. Big things, important things. But We'll get
1: we'll, we'll we'll put a pin in this Kelly Clarkson thing. We'll get to that in another episode. We have a lot to discuss on that one. That's going to be I our have, first fight.
0: I <laughs> I'm prepared to speak at length about Kelly Clarkson. So so yes, I I agree with all of that. However, I also believe that this country was founded with and then continued to build upon a system of inequity for everybody except for white men. So there is something inherently wrong with the way that our country currently is and really always has been because we have built systems, entire systems, our entire policing system and incarceration system was built uh, out of slaveholding. And now it's obviously become completely different. And I wanna be so, so clear that I'm absolutely not calling. Every single police officer, i got somebody not who's slave just police. out there, right. They're not slave police, but I think it's really important to, you know, when you talk about something like a bad apple, well, one bad apple is a bad apple. However, many bad apples you got to look at the tree and you got to look at the roots. And I'm, I'm just talking about like the country at large. I think we're, we're probably going to have a policing conversation at some point.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, sure.
0: It can be a whole episode I would assume, but I'm just using it as the, um, kind of low hanging fruit to continue on with the metaphor of an example. Yeah. So yeah, why are we broken? I think we've kind of always had this in here. That's why, you know, last week we were talking about Trump's election. You were talking about being in Boston and being around a, a lot of younger liberal people who are really, really upset and crying. And, and you didn't quite understand. You thought you, you weren't happy <laughs> with the election results, but you also weren't distraught I wasn't
1: scared at the time yeah
0: yeah I I was scared I was really scared and I was distraught and it took me a really long time to um I never felt in one day in four years ever felt for four years and three months ever felt good about his presidency never had a day where I was like it's fine just ignore it it'll pass like I never even had one day in four years and three months but you know i was definitely it took me a really long time to just move out of being completely distraught because i definitely never saw a literal attempt at a coup and an insurrection coming mm-hmm. but i saw the violence the homophobia the xenophobia the racism the sexism i saw all of that because trump is not the one that he was just the catalyst That doesn't answer the question of why we are broken, but it kind of gives you a little bit insight into where I'm, where my head is at, because I'm a woman that has to walk through the world. And I am a woman in a, in Los Angeles, in a pretty liberal city, but I'm still a woman walking through the world that has to just kind of ignore things, um, push things and feelings and things that you've heard aside, because that's how you have to be when you, walk through the world as something that is not the um top of the food chain
1: so our so we're we're broken because our systems the system isn't broken the system was set up the way it was on purpose
0: system seems like it's working pretty well so far for the way that it was built
1: for the for the people that it was built right
0: yeah yeah we've had they to fight a system. For those. the system yeah. they built is working pretty well
1: yeah am i supposed to should i do i should i feel bad like, am I supposed to feel shame that the system works for guys, for pe- for humans like me? I mean, what, what, what do I do with that?
0: I mean, I kind of go through every day. I wake up in the morning. I think I hope that Dan feels bad today. <laughs> <Thanks. gasps> that's yeah. Yeah. not true. Oh, my gosh. That's at least not I'm true.
1: on your mind when you wake no, up. Maybe... I don't think about you until Sunday evenings when I have to call you.
0: That doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> mm. Anyway. Checks out a little bit, to be honest. You know, no, you shouldn't feel bad. You didn't create the system. I think the onus is on every single person to think about how have I gotten to where I am? What systems were put in place for me to get here? And what can I do here to open up the field for everybody else? How can I reach behind me and pull somebody up with me? if they want to be pulled. But I think it, you know it, it's not your job to feel actively bad that a system that was put in place in 1619, before we were even America, has benefited you in ways that you are aware of and, and some ways that you might not be aware of. It's not your job to feel bad about it, but it is your responsibility to be aware and to try and open yourself up to learning and mm-hmm. also open, um, open doors, not closed doors behind you.
1: Right. Hold them open. Let somebody pass yeah. me sometimes too. Right.
0: Yeah. Just put your, put your toe in the door. You know, when you do that All thing, right. you, you put the toe in the door as you're like checking your text or whatever, just do that. Yep. You can come in. It's fine. Success is not a pie. Everyone's going to get a slice. You're going to be okay.
1: Yeah. What? so I, I heard, um, oh gosh, I don't remember what the, The podcast might've, might've been the Antioch podcast, um, or somebody I listen to so many over the last couple of months here when I, when I'm walking that I do, um, they talked about how power begets power, right? The more power you have, the more power you get, the more power you create. But the good news is power is infinite. It is not a finite resource. You getting more power doesn't take away mine. In the universe, like like it does happen, obviously. If somebody holds power over you, they could take away your power in a sense. But like the more power we build together, it's not a finite resource. You know, I asked you that question. That's a
0: great point.
1: I, I love that. And I and I wish I wish I could remember which exactly show it was, but I heard that and I loved it, and I was like, yes, because that that abundant mentality. Um, I have a friend who has a podcast, his name's Wally Carmichael, um, the um men of abundance, he calls it. Um, and he talks about the abundant life and you, it doesn't have to be a scarcity mindset. You know, there is enough to go around. We have to just keep sharing and lifting others up. Um, I asked that question because, you know, there, I, I feel like at times there is this backlash against white men that is perceived. Um, and I know that people in my life feel that and get really upset. And when you try to talk to them about changes, they get real resistant. I don't believe that I feel that way about it. I like to think that I don't. Um, but you know, I'm not perfect, so I'm I'm learning. Uh, but you know, I, I said it this way: I don't have to feel ashamed that I'm white or male or straight or you know middle class. But I have a responsibility to help others. Whether you call that just being a, you know the golden rule, whether you call it like for me it's a Christian thing: love your neighbor. Um, I'm sure there are very similar. I I know in the Jewish uh, faith, you'll love your neighbor as yourself is also a a part of, you know, commandments and this kind of stuff. So, so like, I know that's out there in other faiths too. So I'm not going to feel ashamed, but I'm going to feel the responsibility. And And then the last thing I was thinking of, as you were saying, this was when, you know, the systems in place that helped you get some, get somewhere. When we think about getting to our success point, people say, well, I got here myself. I picked myself up on my bootstraps. And I did it myself by individual ruggedness of, of America. I did it not thinking about all of the opportunities that came your way for different reasons. Some of them may be because of race or gender or gender identity or anything else, family ties, which can lead to other like generational wealth, which also can lead to talks about racism and systemic racism. Um, But the systems in place to recognize that that's the thing we need to look at and the fact that it's not mm-hmm. completely on your own. Right. So thanks for answering it the way you did.
0: I mean, you got to have boots to pick your up, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Right.
1: Right. Right. And how many of us don't have boots, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, we're broken because the system has set it up this way, but like my thought on why are we broken is, you know, when we were talking originally before the show, when it was just an idea, Um, And we wanted to to do something. I threw out the idea for a show name, not an episode, but a show name of why are we broken? Because at the time, January 6th had just happened. And it looked like our country was just in shambles. We had people from our own country, our own nation attack our capital in this broken mentality of like, just, I I don't know. I, I saw a thing today that was describing how people behave in a cult. And how the cult leader can never be wrong. The cult leader is the only one, right? The cult leader in all these things. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's how some of these fellow Americans are behaving at the moment that this one person mm-hmm. says this is the case and everything else around them says that's not the case, mm-hmm. but they dismiss it all. And it's a very cult-like behavior. I don't want to like cut the legs out from underneath somebody who supports Donald Trump and, and because of their own reasons. I may disagree with you, but it is what it is. But the fact that you that you only listen to him and he can be the only one right despite all of the evidence to the contrary, that's cult-like behavior. And so like mm-hmm. my thought was, well how, how did we get so broken? Why are we this way? What, what happened? And I guess I mean, does the system's answer answer that?
0: I mean, I, I think it's like a, just a general way of looking at it is to say I, the system, there's a lot of ways that we got to be broken. Um, I want to just really quickly talk about why we didn't end up using "Why Are We Broken" as a podcast title. Yeah. And I think that I I don't want to speak for you, even though I do often want to speak for you, just because I think I can do it better. You can. Um, I I that's not true. Um, <laughs> I always want to look at most things, uh, but particularly our nation, in an optimistic way. And so why are we broken? This is a very important conversation to be had, but I think that we also need to remember, or at least say out loud at least one time, that broken things heal, can heal, are not broken forever. And I think conversations like this just having conversations, asking harder questions, asking questions that you might not always feel super comfortable asking are really important to be had. Um, And yeah, I I do see a lot of people, uh, maybe not so much here in Los Angeles, but actually that's not even true here here in LA, I don't wanna say that, um, who have their own concerns, their own maybe fears about just kind of their, what's happening in their world, their own, situation, their own lives. And sometimes when people get afraid, they get angry and they look at things that are different and try and blame that. And so I think that there are some people who their fear over things changing, unreadiness for things to change, turns into, manifests itself into fear. And then they start looking around and seeing their lives changing, and then also the visual of their world changing a little bit too. And that feels like those things are connected, whether or not that's true. Uh, And so they turn that fear into anger, and they get angry at uh, other people who don't have the exact same lives as them. But I've been to smaller, more rural towns, not speaking about Michigan, um, where I've spent perhaps more time, and seen these towns that were once kind of a little bit more booming, um now uh the wealth has kind of left the city or or the the town and they the mentality becomes immigrants are coming to take my job well immigrants aren't coming to take your job it's just just that your town was an oil town now it's not uh, oil is not your commodity and you guys haven't been able to adjust and and that's very unfortunate for your town but this town is 98 percent white still uh i don't think I, I think that you need to do some soul searching for yourselves and try and figure out how you can turn this town back into what it was before instead of blaming others because you're just going to spin yourself out and it's not helping anything. And, mm-hmm. and it's pointless. It's not rational thinking. Yeah.
1: Change is scary.
0: Change is very scary.
1: Yeah. How <laughs> often does anger boil down really to fear? Right. Why yeah. are you angry? because you scared me or something right like as silly as that is if I scare my 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 spouse and she gets mad at me it's because I scared her I'm not she's actually mad at me or angry she's just frightened and when when mm-hmm. something that big scary monster change comes around it does manifest into, into anger quite often yeah that's good
0: I was out in DC during the Kavanaugh hearings by just by coincidence and um as I was leaving they were protesting there uh a couple groups were protesting peacefully protesting that's legal and okay uh -hmm. peacefully protesting in a park right across the street from congress so i had a few hours before my flight so i went over there and and joined in um lovely by the way they so nice to me i had my suitcase my backpack i was ready to get onto a plane decided that i would go here first and already checked out of my hotel they gave me a sign they gave me a couple signs to hold i had a great time so uh and then I went to go look at the Supreme Court, which had been blocked off. And um, I have a picture of myself standing like a couple steps up on the Supreme Court holding a Stop Kavanaugh sign. I took the picture and then was I could see like a couple news crews starting to set up. And I heard some people say, looking around, saying something about George Soros paying all these people. Oh, my gosh. Wait, hang on. They were two Fox News crew members. I forgot about that part. So they, they were setting up their um, camera and everything. It was just two crew members talking to each other about how George Soros was paying all of us to be there. And I wanted so badly to ask them, like, what are you afraid of that's making you say something like this? And then I had to evaluate that I'm a, a young woman here in a city, city that's not my own. Um, so I think I'm just going to not say anything right now. I'm alone and I'm going to leave. Right, right. That's, that was my thought was like, what are you so afraid of? Mm-hmm. That you have to, that you've bought into a lie.
1: Well, and not 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 only a lie, but an anti-Semitic lie. This idea that George Soros funds all of these far left Antifa, blah, 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 whatever. Like, that's a direct tie to the anti-Semitic trope of how, you know, air quotes, Jews run everything and own everything and blah, blah, blah. And they're these these monsters, right? Mm-hmm. Stop it stop it recognize that for the racism that it is and stop it Mm -hmm. and unfortunately when you bring that up to people they often then go on even more of a defensive of like well you're just playing the you know the race card or the racism card or the whatever and like but it's real it's an Mm anti-semitic trope that we vilify a successful jewish person even if you don't understand that like once i once you learn that do better um anyway I get that one. That one has begun to really irritate me. So, so something you said earlier, <clears throat> even talking about like you know the fact that Fox News. One of the things I was thinking about as we were getting getting ready for the show. Um, why are we broken? I think a part of why we're broken is uh, the constant barrage of lies and hyperbole, and we've been on edge because our president for the last four years has tweeted. So much, and use that platform to stir hatred and spread lies and conspiracies, and and like you don't even have to, he doesn't even have to prove that something's true in order for people to hop onto that bandwagon, and then you can't prove it's not true, like election fraud, right? And here's the one that I wrote down yeah. that really that really bothers me: it's the the idea that he's been yelling fake news for so long that it developed into a picture I saw written on a door. During the insurrection, that said, "Murder the media." Yes, that's yeah,
0: that picture broken is uh, bad. That is broken.
1: And here's like, here's my thought. Tell me, I'd love, I'd love to hear what you think. And I, and I have friends in the media, whatever that even means. Um, I have friends who are journalists, <laughs> right? Like that, like it right? It doesn't
0: mean anything. Like technically, I'm in the media too, right? But, uh, what am I doing to you? I'm just at in in an office. Sending emails. I'm doing yep. nothing. I'm not, you know, calm right. down. The, so the, that word, the media, doesn't really mean what it thinks, what they think it means.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have friends in news. I have friends across the country, different jobs in news media, um, you know, from producers to executive producers and news directors, uh, photojournalists, reporters, anchors, whatever, uh, uh, newspaper reporters, writers, radio personalities. Right. So I, I have friends in this business. I used to be in it myself. I am not in love with the business model of news media. I don't like Me neither. That, it, that it is funded by advertising, which means you've got to have mm-hmm. more eyes or clicks or ears or whatever to sell more ads to pay the people who are there because they deserve a, a wage. Right. But we fund this through advertising, mm-hmm. which means if I can scare you into watching, I've got you. And now I can sell advertising. And that's not the, the journalists that do that, that's the the system. Yeah, And I don't love it. I don't love it because like, even as a, as a news producer, I can remember basically writing those headlines that you hear people make fun of or or news teases, right. Of, uh, five things under your sink that could kill your baby right now. Details at 11. And you're like, wait, what? Tell me now, tell me now. And so now that's probably a little bit of hyperbole, but I've, but I've seen those teases done almost like that. Uh, but that's a real thing, right? That's a, a problem. No doubt about it. But here's the thing the reporters who are there and, and they're not perfect, right? They are often overworked, underpaid. They, they do have biases. We all have biases, right?
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so they're not perfect. And yes, has some integrity from the journalistic integrity been eroded a little bit probably, but it's, they're, they're not evil. They're not the enemy of the people. And that idea that fake news has developed into that is so incredibly frustrating And that's part of why we're so broken because we've had four years of this bullshit of everything's broken, everything's wrong. I'm the only one that has the answers. I'm your savior. I'll give you everything. Mm -hmm. So I want to throw that one out there for for both of our listeners. That's why we're so broken. (laughs) Why are we so broken? Because because of things like that. So stop saying that. Stop making the media, whatever that means, your enemy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's what I
0: meant when I said, uh you know why are we broken I said you know the system at large but that's not the only reason and there are different other things to tackle as well and this I'm glad that you brought this up this is one of the things that I was thinking about this is one of the reasons because we've had to hear fake news fake news fake news for so long and I have two like two separate thoughts on this which is that one Um, Fake news, fake news, fake news news from an administration that gave us alternative facts. um, No, my crowd size, that was photoshopped. So he is, he and the entire administration spent the entire time from from the jump, from his campaign when he said, I'm signing away all my rights to everything that I have, my properties and everything I'm not. And he just brought out fake pieces of paper All, all the way until the end when he wanted to talk about his healthcare plan and he gave his healthcare plan to Leslie Stahl or Kaylee brought her the healthcare plan to Leslie Stahl. Like Leslie Stahl wasn't gonna open the manila envelope to see what was inside of it as you would. And it looked like pages in there too. So he's trying to point the finger to say look at all these people that are lying while he lies just to just to misdirect. Right,
1: right. Or, By the way or
0: I, I just I don't think
1: so the, the binder that he brought out how, how, how bad is it that I miss the days of binders full of women instead of binders full of blank pages? Mitt Romney doesn't look yeah, so crazy now. You,
0: he doesn't, touche, touche. He also, what did he say in the um, Romney-Obama debate, uh, Romney said something about worrying about Russia. And Obama, in the debate, nailed it with like, hey, uh, Mitt, the 1970s called, and they said that Russia's fine for now. Or something like that. Like he's, right. He definitely nailed him with what K-Mitt the, the 70s called, or the 80s called. And then um, it turns out that we did have to worry about Russia. So touche, yeah. I guess, Mitt yeah. on a couple yeah. different.
1: Is Mitt and, a secret and his... genius? Son of a... Ugh.
0: No, no, okay. right, no. <laughs> but I did like the... There's a great documentary called Mitt that I would recommend. Yeah. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's conflicted, like yeah. we all are. I think that he is of course. one of the only... Um, elected Republicans right now that's willing to be conflicted out loud. Uh,
1: you know, I I, I, always, Go I, I got
0: really mad at him with the Supreme Court justice vote. Yes, that he, he did saying like, "Yes, we're going to definitely vote." And like, dude, it, it, I, I was really disappointed in him, and it was very clearly just we know we're probably going to lose this lose this election, so let's. I, I'm just going to kind of bow to my party, but you know, he then he'll come around and march in a black lives matter protest and um vote say that he's going to vote to impeach and all this kind of stuff and i i do i think that if everybody in congress agreed on every single thing you know that's not how it goes it's not the best way to do it so it's nice that he is you know he seems to be conflicted and have some not just party line thoughts which i can respect
1: people over party um, I feel the same way, you know, so I, I live in Michigan and one of our uh, congressional representatives, uh, his name is Fred Upton. And I've had the privilege of getting to know Fred a little bit over the years. Uh, I used to run a nonprofit to serve veterans, uh, World War II veterans uh, called Honor Flight and the local hub that I co-founded. Um, we got to work with Fred and his his folks and, and several other people, too. You know, Sean McCann, who's a Democrat. Um, Brian Kelly, who was our lieutenant governor at the time, who's a Republican, but very moderate. Um, Bobby Hopewell was the mayor of Kalamazoo, and he came on. He's a, a Democrat. And so, very bipartisan, very cool. And so, I got to know Fred, and his folks reached out to me one time <clears throat> before an election cycle. And uh, I ended up being in a TV commercial and photo shoot for him as a veteran representative, someone who helps veterans, not, not, not a veteran myself. I'd never served in the military, be clear about that. Um, but I, I spoke for that kind of a, of a connection. And so Fred is a nice enough guy. I've been very disappointed in the last few years that he has had zero spine standing up to the MAGA cult and the absolute ruin of the Republican of Lincoln's Republican party, uh, to become what it is today. And so he's really frustrated me. So I have voted against him because of that. And, you know, unfortunately his competitor did not win. Uh, so I was disappointed in there, but I still think he's a decent guy. And I was very pleasant. I was pleasantly surprised. He is one of the 10 who voted to impeach.
0: I did I see like, that. I was pleasantly surprised as well.
1: Yeah. And I was like, all right, I feel it's too little too late personally. Um, but mm-hmm. I will, I will take it and I will gladly hope for the best. I hope that he is more of a moderate rather than a, uh, a cult member of the MAGA movement. Um, And that's what it is. You know, I'm I'm unapologetic about that for those who are listening or family or friends who may see this and whatever, get mad at me. That's fine. Get mad at me. It is a cult. That cult-like behavior is a cult. Sorry, not sorry. Um,
0: I I mean, you and I are, are two people that we are both writers and readers and words mean things. And so, you know, you're not using that word and I'm not using that word lightly just to... Because we don't agree with them, we're going to say it. No, that's not what's happening here. It's that this is a cult. You can just look it up and and look at what how a cult behaves, how a cult leader behaves, and and see that it's pretty much down the list in line. You said something there that made me think I I agree. I think these companies and everyone that are dumping Trump have been dumping Trump since the insurrection are, uh, it is. Maybe not too little, like Twitter kicking him off the platform. Not too little, but too late, in my opinion. Um, I I think that there was a whole lot of things that would have warranted this before. You're not taking away his voice. First of all, there is the at POTUS uh, feed. And also, like, he's the president of the United States. He just walks outside and there are reporters. There's the pool. Everybody, there's always a reporter waiting to hear what the president says not silencing them um marjorie taylor green with your censored face mask as you say that you've been censored into a microphone assholes but i it made me think of something that alexandria ocasio-cortez said last year when she was talking about talking to white supremacists not directly to them um, As in the group that she was speaking with i think she was like doing a maybe news or i don't know what she was doing uh but it wasn't something directly specifically to white supremacists but she looked down the lens of the camera and and spoke to them and said look basically said you know you've got people that love you we are here to welcome you when you're ready if you're ready to have a serious conversation if you're ready to come back We are ready for you to come with us. She who was targeted, and I don't know if you saw her Instagram live last week or have heard her um, interview with Rachel Maddow, but uh, something happened to her that she sounded like she was not emotionally ready and legally able to talk about. Um, But I thought it was really interesting for somebody who has been the target of so much hate by this group and by so many others to say, when you are ready, we're going to be here. Because I think that that is really important too. If you are having having a reckoning, like an actual reckoning, you realize that these last four years you've been brainwashed to believe that this one person is above all else. If you're ready to start having some tough conversations with yourself and others to ask some really hard questions of yourself and to do some a lot of work, then you should be welcomed for it. Doesn't mean we have to applaud your past, but you know we should be encouraging that because that's how we can start to to make some real change. Otherwise people just, you know, they dig in further and further and further. Yep. Um, Also talking about fake news, I, as you know, Dan started this like little Instagram news show that also has two viewers, not to brag about how many viewers I have, but um, I was, I do a, I I put the um, transcript online every week and I include the links so that you can see where I got this information from. And as I was prepping it on Friday night, I was looking through and like trying to pull links, pull links. And I was pulling from, you know, Washington Post, New York Times, legitimate news sources and thinking to myself, there are some people who are not going to think that the New York Times, Washington Post is a legitimate news source. And that is really, must be really frustrating for them. I don't think that they are always correct in their opinion sections, in what they print, that kind of stuff, who they give a voice to always, but they are a legitimate news source. Right. And they're very clear about what's news and what's opinion.
1: Yeah, I think newspapers get it a lot more right, Um, the difference between news and opinion. I I think, unfortunately, TV does not. I think every single Mm -hmm. – I'm just going to say every single cable news, whatever that means anymore even, um, they blur the lines way too much between news and opinion, way Mm -hmm. too much. Um,
0: And they don't – like on their end, the local news doesn't accept that. It depends on who owns the station.
1: I, yep. Yep. Not, uh, yep. I was thinking that same thing, thing. Sinclair yeah. broadcasting has been proven again and again to have these. Now I will say this though, like they, you know, so there's a couple things that work there, right? Sinclair broadcasting gives a referendum on you must air this particular piece that we've written or recorded or whatever. And so then it becomes like, Oh, that's my local news. When in reality, every single station across the country that they own is doing that, that one thing, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's, terrible I think. Um, there's also unfortunately local news again underpaid overworked often inexperienced right they are pulling you know I'm, we're in a top 40-ish market out of 240 here in Cam- the Kalamazoo area and so we're a pretty a pretty large market as far as that goes right the rankings um and yet over the last few years and even back when I was there 10 years ago, you know, they were hiring people barely out of college or sometimes still in college as interns. They were like, hey, go do this project, right? Write this thing, do whatever. And it's like, wait a minute, you have zero experience and you're putting them in this underpaid, overworked situation. So then they're looking at, you know, copy, um, you know, wire copy, right? The Associated Press. And so then it becomes the same exact copy that they're reading on a teleprompter across the country too. So there's other, other things. It's not always nefarious, but it's definitely a bad situation when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, local news, local stories, you know, and, and local connections to, to national stories. Um, still a lot of respect for them. And even, you know, the national news, I respect for them. They're in a tough spot in a lot of times. They don't always get it right, though. You've again, goes back to the advertising.
0: Yeah, which I, hate. I agree. I agree completely. Um, on the Sinclair note, I mean, it's not like Sinclair is the first one to do it. You can go right. back to clear channel telling all of their radios their country western um stations you can't play dixie chicks
1: right which by the way on country music i i I heard somewhere the other day might have have been my oldest daughter shared this with me or something i don't know that there's this unwritten rule that you can't play two female artists back to back and then there was and then there was an article saying yep absolutely so many of these stations have done this for years and years they won't you know if you do it you'll get kind of like blackballed or whatever you know this kind of stuff so they so it's been a thing now does it still happen i don't know is it is it truly an unwritten rule i, I don't know but there was an article from country music people in the in the country music industry that said absolutely this happens in radio stations across the country wow yeah yeah so you want like
0: that sucks
1: yeah the, the misogyny <laughs> runs rampant you know and and you don't even realize it and then once i heard that i was like huh so now when i listen to my 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 country radio stations as i flip around you know and i'm I'm an eclectic music listener um i listen for more than one female artist at a time and it's not real often that i hear that do you notice that
0: just on country or on kind of any
1: country yeah i yeah i don't think that this particular story this article the story was only focused on country. I haven't noticed it as much because I, because I know there are a ton of female country artists, right? Like there aren't a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, women rock and roll bands that are mainstream, right? But mainstream country has a lot of female artists. And so you you will listen. It's like, Oh, Blake Shelton song, you know, three times an hour, but you know, (laughs) chicks only once. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's uncomfortable to say, by the way. It, you, it, chicks, say, by the way. Yeah. It, it, I don't, I don't really, like yeah, saying that
1: because I don't want to call women chicks, but that's their band name. Yeah. So like, I, ah. it's also
0: just tough to remember because that's their band name. It's been their name, band name forever. I I'm happy that they changed their name. Um, I'm happy that lady a changed their name. I think that they did it the wrong way. <laughs> they would have realized their mistake and just not just gone by a completely different name. For Lady A, but uh, the chicks, I'm glad that they changed their name. It is a, it's tough for me to remember because I've been a fan of them for a very long time. And uh, but I'm glad that they changed their name. But yeah, you're right. I forgot that they, they did that. Good for them.
1: Yeah. Anyway. And that's been a good something cat- going back to go, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: What were you gonna say? I was gonna All say right. just like speaking of uh, welcoming people to to change their mind and encouraging that, encouraging you to, to learn and and be willing to ask yourself hard questions, should Lady A and the chicks not have gone by their original names, probably, <laughs> if they had done a little bit of looking into it. Uh, but also you can't fault them for, and, and maybe not, maybe you're kind of looking like maybe you think that that's not the case. If that's not even the case, maybe they should have changed it earlier, had a, a reckoning with their names earlier, but also they had it when they had it. And, and timing aside, they had it is the major thing.
1: Yeah, I I just look at it like this. You you can't measure the past by our current morals or ideals or information, right? You know, I um I really liked the Dukes of Hazard growing up. I'm not sorry that back then there was a Confederate flag on the on the General Lee. That was part of that time in our in our country. Did that flag still mean the same thing it means today? Yes. Did the producers of that show creators of that show designers of the sets and everything else know that maybe not. So I'm not going to like, I don't, I don't believe that we should ban the Dukes of hazard. Okay. Now, if we're going to redo the show in a reboot, you best not put that traitorous flag on top of a car. Cause it's a piece of shit flag. I know that now, and we know that now as as like, we understand that more now, especially as white Americans, what that truly means to our black brothers and sisters right? And we we better listen. That's my thing. We better listen. Um, so for like, you know, the Dixie chicks, should they have named themselves that back in the day? I don't know that they would have ever thought of that, right? Now, it doesn't mean that it wasn't being talked about. It just, they were ignorant of that. I'm I i I'm sure they didn't, they weren't like, that's what that means. Cool. Let's do that. Right? Like, or they weren't like, oh, man, sure nobody, yeah, nobody I, I cares, right? That. So like the story that I think of is um, my favorite coffee shop, we have a Michigan-based coffee shop franchise system uh, here around me and, and expanding called Bigby. It's B-I-G-G-B-Y. Bigby. It almost sounds like a last name, right? Or like a big B, which is sometimes their their shtick. Um, that wasn't the original name, though. The original name w- um, was a disparaging term um, for Mexicans, right? Like I think I don't think it was for any Latino or Latin uh, Latinx. Um, but it was for, you know, those who immigrated from Mexico, or those who lived in Mexico, and it was a, a disparaging term. Now the founders of Big B were going after the idea of a coffee bean. So their name mm-hmm. was centered on that. If you want to know the history of it, go look at it. I don't really feel like saying racial epitaphs here and, and slurs. I
0: was so curious how you were going to do this story. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like I, I where really' are going with it and very, very happy that you're not. Um yeah, yeah. I was like buckled up like, well, it is the name of the original company, but it's yes. not a good name.
1: No, it's not. Um, but when Bob Fish and his partners learned of that, they were like, Oh, and nobody complained, nobody tried to cancel culture them, nothing else. They just Bob heard that and went, Oh, well, if our mission is to bring good coffee and love people, that's not very loving. We're gonna change that. Nobody asked them to. It was an expensive endeavor and they took mm-hmm. care of their, uh, their, their folks for that. Right. I've, I've, I've talked with Bob and I've, I interviewed him on a different podcast and he talked, told the story. Um, but like, once you learn that, that doesn't mean that Bob's a bad guy. And he was like, oh, I'm just going to call it that anyway. That You, you got to like what I call it or get out of here. I didn't mean it that way. Like he didn't do that. He just said, you know what? I didn't realize it. And I'm sorry. And we're going to make amends. And he did. That's okay. Right. So yeah, I so agree. That's- That's where I'm coming from.
0: I agree. I want to push back a little bit on a couple thoughts here. And I want to leave Bob and Bigby out of it because of my love for, my respect for Bob, knowing him 0%, um, and my just love for Bigby Coffee. (laughs) And now it's the most important thing whenever I go to Michigan to get it right when I get there and then drink it forever and then also have it mailed to me.
1: That's your most important thing? That's your most important thing when you come to michigan
0: the most important that's actually the only reason i've got a couple nieces out there that i really love uh and a nephew but yeah that, uh, that besides seeing my nieces and nephew that's really it
1: of my will done
0: <laughs> um <laughs> yeah that's funny, uh, the funny thing is because you're so much older than me that's why you have a will because you're very old true, um right. <laughs> did not like that joke you're gonna live forever <laughs> um anyway
1: okay so you're really big out uh, of it Yep. okay I,
0: Yeah, yeah, so, and because I think it's different. That's a different situation Um, because I think it is and it isn't because I think a lot of it comes down to exposure, being able to be exposed to a a different point of view, a different way of the world, which he was when he found out that that name, he needed to change his name. That's He found out what that word means uh, out of the context of his coffee shop and decided on his own to change it because he knew. Uh, I have a very hard time believing that. Like, <laughs> um, yes, perhaps. When was Dukes of Hazard on?
1: Probably the seventies.
0: That seems right. It's not an eighties show.
1: Nineteen seventy-nine it started.
0: So the Confederate flag is the is the flag of a traitor nation. It's not the American flag. People that fly the Confederate flag above the American flag are, first of all, that's against flag code. Um, second of all, that's against everything. Uh, that's that's a traitor nation that you're saying that you put above the American flag. Um, so the Confederate flag was the flag of a traitor nation. And then once they lost the Civil War, cannot stress enough, I think sometimes people forget that they the South will rise again. Uh, you, you lost the first time. So the word again, doing some heavy lifting there, but you, the, the Confederate flag kind of went away for a little while until the sixties, when all of a sudden civil rights are coming, are being, a, are starting to be a more prominent conversation nationally. We've got um, Bloody Sunday happening on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. We've got the Freedom Riders. We've got the sit-ins at the lunch counter. Um, Voting Rights Act happens, Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated, JFK is assassinated. Uh, civil rights in the 60s, I mean, that, that is the, that's the most prominent thing that happened in the 60s is that America started doling out rights, not just evenly, but at least starting to make it happen for black Americans. All of a sudden, the Confederate flag comes back just by pure coincidence, I'm sure. It's not like we were waving the Confederate flag before this. Now we've got the Confederate flag. Now we're building up Robert E. Lee statues and that kind of stuff. That's all coming up now in the 60s. That's 15 years later. This TV show comes on the air in 1979. Was that the way? Oh, no, but it's about the 60s. The show is about the 60s, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it happened. Yeah. it, It was the 60s in rural Hazard County, wherever the, you know.
0: So, so yeah, the Confederate flag was around, but you know why the Confederate in 1979, you know why the Confederate flag was around in the 1960s. Is it authentic to have a Confederate flag on a car? Yes, unfortunately it is. Is it necessary? No, it, it doesn't serve the story at all. What it tells me to see that this show included in 1979, a Confederate flag on the top of the car, on the top of the car named General Lee, is that there were no black people working on Dukes of Hazard. There was no, well, or more specifically, there were no black executives or executives of color, and there were no um, black or just people of color in general in the writers' room, which is probably probably no women in the writers' room as well. well
1: uh, yeah. In
0: Los Angeles, nineteen seventy nine.
1: Right.
0: So, so then, you know, there so there are so many things to look at there.
1: So it's not necessarily so. So it's not necessarily nefarious reasons. It's not out of hatred or out of. Purposeful like discrimination and bigotry and racism and all of that. It's a lack of, I don't think so. Like, the the perception is it, it's more a lack of exposure. Is that yeah. like, is that do I hear you right? Which, which I yeah, think is, an, I think so.
0: And a lack of like kind of coming online to what this would mean to other people,
1: right? Um, which I think is really important and I think it's an important distinction. So, speaking just for you know myself, um, but also maybe speaking for a little bit of the white guy community, like too often we say, well, I'm not racist. It's fine. I'm a good guy. I don't, you know, I, have got a, I've got a black friend as if that like takes away any any of the system, systemic racism, right. Um, Or just our own biases, but like, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a racist, but in reality, what I think it is, and this is, you know, again, speaking as a, as a white guy, and I want to encourage my, my, my fellow Americans who happen to uh, be white as well it's not that you're a bad person. It's that the system around us, it's it's, a fish doesn't know it's in water, right? You don't realize Mm -hmm. that you're steeped in a system that is built on this, this caste system of keeping a certain kind of people down. And so we don't have people of color in leadership or in creative roles. And so that representation doesn't get injected into everything that we're doing. Um, In the same way that, you know, so like, All of a sudden, it seems like in the last, you know, 15 years, let's say 10 years, 15 years, um, the 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 LGBTQ plus community has been represented more so in entertainment, right? And and a lot of a lot of us hetero uh, Americans went, "Whoa, why does every show have to have a gay character?" That was a pretty a pretty normal reaction around people that I know. Not that they shouldn't have them, but just oh, this is this is new. Um, and, and I think it was because representation matters. More executives, more creators, more showrunners, more writers either, you know, had, had come out or were hired finally or had somebody in their family come out or whatever it is, say, oh, this is an important voice to have in our country because those people are here and deserve representation. And I don't see anything wrong with that is my entire thing. Like exposure is is great I, you know, I, I do get a little worried, you know, I think you and I are going to disagree on that a little bit is, is the, what is unfortunately called the cancel culture. I I don't think it's that, but there, there is some truth to that of like, well, they should have known. So we're just gonna get rid of all of that. Now, let me, let me clarify real quick. Statues of slave owners or naming army bases after slave owners, people who enslaved other people and tried to own them. That needs to go away. We don't learn our lessons from celebrating them, right? There are no statues of Adolf Hitler in Germany, but there are monuments or museums to the survivors of the Holocaust. In the same mm-hmm. way here in America, we shouldn't have statues of the traitorous nation that tried to blow up our country, but we can have museums on you know the, the lynching museum super important work there, right? So I do think there's that. I'm j- I just get a little bit like uncomfortable with just canceling everything that we had in our past that like the Dixie Chicks it's their choice to call themselves the Chicks respect that um but you know when well you know the Duke's of Hazard or other things where we're like okay we're just never going to talk about that again that's just gone like well
0: yeah
1: no so anyway that's that's my thought Co- coherent or not that's um, my thought
0: no it's it, it's coherent it's wrong but it's coherent no, I'm just kidding that's fair that's <laughs> i fair. um no, no, no. I, I, I agree that cancel culture in general has gone too far um, <laughs> and, and it's been kind of stolen by Trump and his and Trumpism into you can't um, push back against an idea without it being called cancel culture. Um, you know, first of all, on, on the note of the Dukes of Hazard, that car is or was for a long time in the Warner Brothers Museum. They have like a little car museum in there and they cover the Confederate flag. There's a magnet that goes on top of the car and it covers the flag because, you know, going back to the show, putting it on there to begin with, um, maybe that was how things were in the 60s. I mean, not maybe that factually, that was how things were in the 60s in the South. But it doesn't mean that it's not a hurtful flag, it doesn't mean that it would hurt somebody to be having a really nice day. On a tour of Warner Brothers, walk into a car museum and be confronted with this awful racist flag. So I I think that we we do have to be careful about going too far and just immediately canceling. Yes, I totally agree. Like we there's no reason to be putting up statues for racist slave owners because they I mean I, and also like there's no logic behind it either besides racism. There is no other way to defend it yeah. because you're you you want to name a military base after a general of a traitor nation who fought our country? And lost. What is the thought there? And lost? What is the thought there? It's not anything besides racism. That's just a fact of it. Um, But I don't think that there's anything wrong with reassessing, I think, statues in general. Why are we making statues for people? It's a waste of marble. Build something else with it. Put it in a museum.
1: I get a statue someday. Don't take this away from me.
0: I'll give you a statue. You get a dundee.
1: Please make that happen.
0: Yeah. What would you rather have a statue, a a 10 foot statue of you or a dundee?
1: A dundee. A dundee
0: 100%. Without question. I had something. Oh, but I do think that it's worth thinking about is this thing that was created. uh, And now that we're looking at it a little bit differently, now that we've learned uh, and, and been able to educate ourselves and, and see the world through other people's eyes. Is this hurting somebody's feelings just by existing? Well, and-, and is it reasonably, reasonably hurting them? Then let's take it down. Is it reasonably hurting somebody to send their young black children to generally middle school? Probably.
1: Right.
0: So let's rename the school.
1: And it's not just hurting their feelings. Like somebody might hurt my feelings that doesn't mean that that i'm gonna like right like like feelings are one thing but like true i mean this is 400 years of trauma built into a culture
0: yeah i think re-traumatizing i guess is a, saying like it hurt my feelings is, is a way to it, it kind of trivializes it I, you're yeah. you're re-traumatizing over and over and over again yeah.
1: yeah oh man such good stuff we could we could go on but then we wouldn't have any more episodes um we do we do it all in this one shot so let's uh Let's call this one. No, good, I say I let's
0: keep going and let's call it the end of this the podcast.
1: All of it. Just do it we'll all mail in, like in a twelve hour six episode. Six hours. Okay, a twelve hour episode. All right. Um, <laughs> I love
0: There's it. There's so I, many things that I want to like continue to talk about. So maybe we can do another episode about um, news and and fake news and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Well, is this I mean, what the could, show is? Is just saying I want to talk about this later?
1: Yes, hundred <laughs> okay. um, percent. Well, cool. I mean, I think like the next thing we could talk like another name that we had for the show is how did we get here? So next episode, let's talk about. How do we get here? Right. Okay. And then and we can continue this part of the conversation. Um, I've got an NPR uh, article about the Electoral College to talk about. Um,
0: <laughs> right. right? Cool.
1: Um, but also what, what we were already talking about. So I think we can continue that. Um, that sounds good. See, this is what it's all about, though. Like being able to have these conversations. We seem to agree on, on quite a bit, which is awesome. But also just listen, just freaking listen to understand each other. Yeah. That's the thing.
0: Yeah. Listen with a goal of understanding, not a goal of changing somebody's mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of changing somebody's mind, I'm going to change our listener's mind um, of staying off of Twitter and Instagram. I don't know. That's a terrible uh, segue. What, what I does do, that my, even mean? I don't know. Um, but Kim, Kim <laughs> where, can,
0: segue.
1: where can people connect with us?
0: You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at myamericapod. Myamericapod.
1: Uh, and then and, also, uh, you can find us. me.
0: I've been practicing. Huh? Been practicing? Yeah. You can follow us personally. I've been practicing. I'm not going to mess it up this time. You can right. follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kim Moffat. Now I'm going to spell my name correctly. Like I did not do last week. Uh, Kim M O F F A T. Oh, I felt internally that the, what, what I did last time and, and like got nervous a little in the middle there. I,
1: I was, I was on the edge of my seat for real. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, fantastic. And I'm I'm Dan Moyle on Instagram and on Twitter as well. You can email us myamericapod at gmail.com if you want to uh, give us some some response, some feedback, some show ideas, because we can always use ideas. We'll just steal them. You don't get paid for it. Uh, but yeah, Absolutely. follow along at myamericapod and all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That's our episode. Uh, next time we'll talk about how we got here and we'll just continue the conversation and maybe we'll have some listener questions too.
0: That would be great. I would love all that. Right.
1: There you go. All right, friends, my America. We'll see you next time.